This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Personal Finance Wednesday. Some lessons learned from the pandemic. Financial lessons that maybe should continue after the pandemic is over. Right now, Volkswagen is in the spotlight for its official release of a name change. That turned out to be a hoax. We're joined by Andrew Stoltman, securities attorney at Stoltman Law Offices here in Chicago. Uh, Andrew, I mean, just this one seems like a real head-scratcher here. They said they were going to Volkswagen here in North America. A lot of media outlets got confirmation of this from Volkswagen, and now they say, no, 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 that was just a game. It's really bad judgment by Volkswagen. I don't know who is thinking what, but it almost seems like the marketing department is is wagging the tail. And so this is pretty serious stuff because the share price moved over 5%. And uh, while Volkswagen may think it's a joke, I can promise you, Cisco, the SEC does not have much of a sense of humor. Well, yeah, because this is, okay, maybe it's an early April Fool's Day joke. Okay, fine. But you have an issue as far as investors. you got some people who might have bought or sold stock based on something like this. That is exactly it. And once you manipulate the share price, that's when the SEC becomes very, very interested. So there's been no indication yet that the SEC is investigating, but I've been dealing with the SEC for over 20 years, and this is kind of right up its alley. This is precisely the thing that they like to investigate, high-profile, pretty egregious conduct, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm thinking Elon Musk. You know, All he had to do is tweet, and the SEC would start <laughs> looking at him. Yeah, there's no question about that. Elon Musk got whacked $20 million for a, for a bad tweet. So these are easy cases for the SEC to prove. You don't really have to prove intent. It's just, it, it's kind of a slam dunk for the SEC. And it, normally in a situation like this, you, you talked about the fine uh, for Elon Musk. Is that normally how this works out? The SEC investigates and if they see something was wrong, they fine? That's exactly it. It, it. It's not a criminal investigation. It's a civil investigation. And what's really unfortunate is that it will end up being the shareholders who have to pay the freight of the fine. But yes, that's exactly how it's handled. So as far as a, uh, a PR thing, I mean, businesses have to navigate that carefully. They got probably what they were looking for. They got a lot of publicity. Everyone was talking about it. And yet now it may be costly. That's the ironic thing. Whatever they end up paying for in a fine, if indeed the SEC does end up whacking them, they probably got a factor of 10 in terms of the publicity. So, you know, crazy like a fox, you tell me.
Thanks so much. Really good to have you with us. We'll see how this all shakes out. It is not Volkswagen. That was all just a hoax. It is indeed going to stay Volkswagen. Andrew Stoltman, a securities attorney at Stoltman Law Offices here in Chicago. Just ahead, the latest numbers signal for the spring housing market. Later in the show, 1239, Personal Finance Wednesday. Some financial lessons learned during the pandemic that maybe should carry over into the everyday. The report on pending home sales is out. President Biden is in Ohio to reveal a huge infrastructure program. Bob Bruska, chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Uh, Bob, let's begin with the infrastructure plan. We're talking trillions of dollars here. Pretty significant. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's trillions of dollars after spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And, uh, and of course, there's nearly another trillion that the U.S. wants to put into expanding SDRs. So, um, you know, Everett Dirksen, uh, it, it's attributed to him anyway that he had said, you know, a billion here and a billion there. And before you know it, uh, you spent some real money. And I think that we can now say that we have clearly uh, moved into the age of trillions rather than billions. It's sort of an interesting dynamic here, because from an economic standpoint, a lot more debt has been added here in in the last year because of the pandemic. And yet, with an infrastructure bill, is there a chance that there'll be an economic benefit to getting some of this infrastructure finally repaired and upgraded? Uh, Well, maybe. Um, You know, it's a big job. You know, the U.S. infrastructure was built, uh, a lot of this was built in the post-war period. And uh, one of the... um, reasons for the federal highway system was actually there's some rule about how every so many miles you have to have a stretch that's straight so that you could land an airplane on it so it was the roads were built with a sort of national defense bent to them um but we're used to having you know we've got some state roads we've got some federal roads uh but i'll tell you no matter where they are we've got an awful lot of potholes so things are getting old and we need maintenance on them and then, yeah, I guess in theory, there's an economic benefit there. You, you have the workers who are working, but you, you also have, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, does it make commerce any better? Or does that not really matter when it comes to roads and bridges? Well, of course it matters, but you know, measuring it is something else. I mean, I don't know what, what we could figure out the economic value of a pothole to be or <laughs> removing it. But clearly, you, if you take those out of the street, you're going to have fewer potholes, People are going to not fall into them, uh, break their ankles. The cars are not going to bash into them and ruin their tires and their suspension. Uh, People are going to be able to go the speed limit on a road instead of having to go slower and pick their way around. You know, on and on and on. There are lots of benefits. Uh, It's just hard to measure them. So, I mean, this is definitely something that we need to do. We need to restore the integrity and and, uh, viability of our our road system. My my brother lives in Michigan, and I'm hearing from him all the time about how terrible the roads are there. I'm in Manhattan, so I'm not driving a car very often, so I don't really see it, and I try not to fall into the potholes when I see them. (laughs) Yeah, right, walk around them. Uh, Let's talk about pending home sales. Uh, Fell 10% in February. What's going on here? Uh, Well, of course, uh, part of it is uh, fewer homes for sale. Uh, Part of it is uh, higher prices make them less accessible, and a big part of it is higher mortgage rates. Uh, People are dealing with the fact that mortgage rates are going up, and... uh, uh, you know, it's going to make houses more expensive, and we'll have to see. If housing prices in the last report were still going up very strongly. And at some point, the rising mortgage rate should put a pinch on the rise in home prices. 
Really good analysis. Thanks so much. That's Bob Brusca. He is chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Up next, the final holdout is now back to selling middle seats on airplanes. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Delta will start selling all seats on its flights starting May 1st after being the last airline to keep middle seats open. Joining us on the ComEd Energy Efficiency Business Line, Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting. Uh, Ken, uh, what was going on with Delta? Why would they? Why they take so long to do this when the other airlines they didn't hold out as long? Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Cisco, and I trust everything is well with you guys. Uh, Delta decided they wanted to hold up. They were concerned about the pandemic and the flying public, but they're starting to see in the real world, which is more people are flying, aircraft are being full. So their attitude was very much that, hey, there's a rebound in air demand for air travel, ready and willingness of people to resume pre-pandemic activities. So their president said, let's go do it. Uh, Basically, they're seeing as more vaccinations became more widespread, the consumer demand, as I said, is behavior has gone up. Behavior shows confidence in travels on the rise. Customers are ready to return. You can see that also in the amount of people that are being uh, screened by TSA. Those numbers have gone up and rain very much over a million each day uh, throughout the country from mid-March with the traveler spring break. And I can vouch for flying myself that the aircraft, uh, in this case is hometown airline, uh, in the back of the aircraft, they're probably 90 to 95 percent full. First class is full. And we're seeing, yeah, they're seeing that people are kind of going back to their normal patterns. That means that there is money to be made. I mean, if you continued not selling those middle seats, you're leaving money on the table. Well, yes. And the long and short is Southwest stopped it. Uh, and they've been flying without the middle seat being blocked for a couple of months. As you said, Delta was the last one to do this. But the long and short is that Sebastian, Delta's president, said, hey, we're charging more, which is true. Airfares have gone up. People are flying Let's see what we can do. Another good point to note, the hometown airline has basically said, hey, guys, we expect to be positive cash flow in the second quarter, which they are. Or they were actually pretty good in the fact in March. So things are looking up in that sense. Uh, where I think we need to suggest concern for the traveling public, particularly in Chicago, which is a major hub, is getting to and from the airport, in the airport, you want to make sure you have, you have your mask on. The airplanes themselves are very safe because of the filtration and the way they clean it. Where you get a concern is in the boarding or getting off the airplane. What United has done in some cases, they will uh, board last to first or try to get the people out so you don't have a buildup of people in the aisles as you're on the airplane. Thanks so much. Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, a spring cleaning for your money. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. New data tracks the effectiveness of a COVID vaccine on younger people. This is Rachel Pearson. Illinois' road to reopening hits a speed bump as COVID cases continue to climb. Personal Finance Wednesday. How you can incorporate things learned during the pandemic as part of financial spring cleaning. WBBM Business, the Dow up 48. The NASDAQ is up 264, and the S&P is up 34 points. Oil is down a quarter of a percent. Sunshine throughout your day. Right now it's 40 degrees. That's right about our high today of 43 degrees. Pfizer says its vaccine is 100% effective against the coronavirus in 12 to 15-year-olds. CBS's Elaine Cobb with the story of one younger volunteer. One of the 12-year-olds who took part in the Pfizer trials was Caleb Chung of Durham, North Carolina. It's definitely a very special opportunity. He says being in the trial made him feel he was doing his part to fight the virus. I'm just at home doing online school and there's not much I can really do to fight back against the virus. Pfizer-BioNTech says it will now seek FDA approval for use of its vaccines in 12 to 15-year-olds. Elaine Cobb, CBS News. Reopening plans in Illinois are being sidetracked as infection numbers move in the wrong direction. As more and more residents get vaccinated, Governor Pritzker had planned to lift certain restrictions for Illinois businesses this week. It would have let large venues like museums, zoos, and convention centers be able to operate at 60% capacity. But the bridge phase of the state's reopening plan is stalled as coronavirus cases surge once again. Illinois' case positivity rate has jumped 62% in just 17 days to now 3 percent, and more than 1,300 residents are hospitalized. Rachel Pearson, News Radio, 105.9 FM. Hey, reminder, radio.com is now Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y. On the Odyssey app, you can listen to WBBM and all the news, sports, music, and podcasts that move you. It's 1232. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are higher. The Dow up 52, NASDAQ up 265, and the S&P is up 34 points. Let's see what's going on. David McIlvaney is here, CEO of McIlvaney Financial Group based in Colorado. David, it's good to have you on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing today on Wall Street? Uh, great to be back with you, Cisco. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've focused in on is it, the last two years, a massive increase in credit, $5.5 trillion in China, $3.5 trillion here, deficits that are, uh, frankly, surprisingly large. And, and there's, we're not done with that. So with an expansion of nonproductive credit, um, we're really interested in real things. Uh, real things like infrastructure, global natural resources, precious metals, specialty real estate. Um, we want to construct portfolios around those kinds of themes, seeing that there are implications. We're starting to see those implications show up in uh, the Treasury yields 10-year moving higher, considerably higher, we think, on inflation concerns. And uh, that, that's got our attention, certainly, as, as we may see some bigger picture structural shifts in the direction of inflation, something that, frankly, we haven't had to worry about. For, for, for over a decade. Are there, I mean, it seems like inflation, I mean, it just eats into your portfolio, right? Just right before your very eyes. Are there ways to, to actually make money, to pivot in a, a higher inflation environment? Yeah, I think this is where uh, focus on not only dividend yield, total return is, is really going to be key in here. Not only dividend yield, uh, but also 
areas that do give you some inflation protection. And, and again, these are the stuff you can step your toe on, we're going to be interested in. Um, precious metals, especially real estate, global natural resources, and obviously with new infrastructure bill uh, in, on the minds of lots of people. That's been very interesting to us. You've got your 21st century versions of infrastructure and the old school stuff like water utilities and, and, uh, and toll roads and you know, the old fashioned stuff too. With treasury yields going up, does that make bank stocks more attractive or, or is it maybe not that simple? You know, I, I think they're dealing with a whole host of issues. If if we see a tightening uh, in credit, that's one factor to keep in mind. A steepening of the yield curve is going to help them in terms of their net interest margin. And uh, that, that certainly would be constructive. Let's talk about tech stocks. There's been a lot of volatility market-wide. Now you have tech stocks up 2% today on the NASDAQ. What's going on there? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very concerned about the non-confirmation that you have with NASDAQ. You've got S&P and Dow uh, indexes moving to uh, new all-time highs and a lot of strength there. You've got to give the benefit to the upside there. The fact that NASDAQ has been weaker uh, and is not putting in new highs, uh, that may end up telling us something. And you see it both in our indexes as well as some of the tech stocks in, in, in China and in other places of the world, too, uh, under pressure uh, significantly. And I think you, you, you've, you've got to have some caution there. Yeah, I wonder if there's been a valuation problem there with tech stocks. Is so many of them are, are, are kind of, the, you know, they're hot, they're sexy, people are talking about them, but maybe the values got a little high. Well, it's tough to say we don't have a valuation problem just about everywhere. When you look yeah. at the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, even for the S&P, second highest of all time, uh, looking at the Buffett ratio, the highest of all time, and that is just comparing stock market capitalization to GDP, the engine of growth uh, is trailing the pricing of financial assets. Again, it's one of the reasons why we think hard assets make some sense. Financial assets, we think, will underperform over the next several years with hard assets kind of standing out as, as, a, better, as a better value. You mentioned dividend yield earlier. Do you feel, speaking generally here, do you feel that if companies haven't cut their dividends by now that we've reached a point in this pandemic economy where we're not going to see more dividend cuts? Again, speaking generally. I think that's fair. And in fact, you may see some of those dividend cuts. Uh, we know a couple of companies that were really making smart capital allocation decisions, cutting dividends, and, and doing so regretfully after having spent decades of keeping their dividends intact. Uh, but, you know, it's not every day and every decade that you run into a pandemic. So they, they made some good calls. They're bringing back those dividends. And in that respect, I think the worst is probably behind us. Thanks so much, David McIlvaney. Good insight. He's CEO of McIlvaney Financial Group in Colorado. Just ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday. It's the time of year for a financial spring cleaning. What are some financial lessons that we can learn from the pandemic? Spring is just around the corner. Let's discuss some things you can do to freshen up your financial situation. Joining us on the ComEd Energy Efficiency Business Line, Tony Ogorek, founder of Ogorek. Wealth Management in Buffalo, New York. Tony, uh, let's begin with just that one big thing. What would you say, lesson learned from the pandemic, things we need for spring cleaning? What, what's the one thing you would advise everyone to pay attention to? Okay, Cisco, let's talk about the pandemic first. And I would say most important thing is having that emergency fund. You know, it's said that maybe 40% of Americans are unable to cover a $500 monthly surprise, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it be an auto 
repair or, uh, or something in the medical area. So uh, I would say, see if you can start off with, you know, maybe having, you know, at least one month's worth of income um, socked away for you. Um, and, and then I guess second would be being able to manage your credit lines. Make sure you have, if you have a home, uh, you've got a home equity line of credit that's available that you can tap if need be. And, um, you know, maybe the third thing from the, uh, you know, from the pandemic is uh, you'll probably spend a little bit less, save a little bit more, uh, make sure that you are not living at your lifestyle if possible. If you can do that, you're probably going to be in good position for the next surprise that comes down the pike. And that's probably the only way you can actually get an emergency fund built if you want one, is just to cut back on the spending a little. Yeah. You know, it's funny, <laughs> Cisco, there was a guy, his name was Dick Wagner, he's uh, since passed, and he encapsulated the essence of financial planning in three things. All right. Uh, first is spend less. Second is save more. And the third is don't do anything stupid. And <laughs> it's sort of about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been wondering, I don't know if this is spring cleaning or not. You tell me. I've been wondering, a lot of people have moved from job to job to job. They're sitting there with three, four, or five uh, IRAs, 401ks out yeah. there. Does it make sense to have diversity in that way, or do you put them all together in one account? No, do not do that. <laughs> you, want to, you want to be able to consolidate as best as you can because, you know, God forbid, trying to go on to four or five different websites to find things, you know, you're going to develop a drinking problem. <laughs> so most important thing is consolidate your assets. Make it as easy as possible to keep track of these things. Second, look at your outstanding credit. Find out what's the most expensive line that you're paying on and really work your tail off to pay that thing down. Let me just give you one quickie example. The United States government is willing to take your money and, and sort of take it as a loan. In a one-year treasury, if you give them $10,000, you give the U.S. government $10,000, you know how much they're going to give you in interest? Ten bucks. <laughs> it's one-tenth of one percent. You laugh, but I'm just telling you, this is how we're financing things. You're not going to get ahead, uh, you know, putting money in treasuries, 10 bucks on $10,000. And if you're paying 12, 15, 17% interest on a card, you're going to kill yourself. Really watch that credit, you know, as part of spring, uh, I was going to say spring training, but really it's spring cleaning for you. Well, spring training and that you're developing new habits, right? That you, you know, Hopefully you're going to keep them going for quite a while. That is yeah, Tony Ogorek. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Tony Ogorek, really good insight on Personal Finance Wednesday. He's the founder of Ogorek Wealth Management. This time tomorrow, Technology Thursday. Still to come, the pool of COVID vaccination candidates could be getting younger. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Pfizer is reporting results of its coronavirus vaccine trials on kids ages 12 to 15. Well, let's get some details. Michelle Cortez is joining us, health reporter at Bloomberg News. Michelle, what's Pfizer saying? Well, there is good news when it comes to adolescents kids age 12 to 15, and hopefully it's going to help us, you know, get fully back to open schools, everything next year or later this fall. There were no cases of 
infection in the kids who received the vaccine in this clinical trial. Among those who got the placebo, there were just 18. So, Cisco, you have to realize this is a pretty small trial, about 2,200 kids. But the fact that there were no cases in that vaccinated group is really encouraging. And that's, uh, I mean, obviously parents who are looking for schools to be back open, it's very promising news for them. Right. It's, It's so important because we know that kids are less likely to become infected, and so they're less likely to be, you know, causing other people to get infected, passing it along, transmitting the disease. But about one in four people in the United States are children. So we're going to have to vaccinate them in order to get to herd immunity, to get the virus under control in the U.S. and around the world. So the fact that they responded so well and the antibody rates were so strong, it's just very encouraging. Now, when it comes to vaccines like this, one of the things that parents are concerned about is is not short-term effects or even whether it, it works, but they're thinking about the long-term. Is there any way to tell yet whether there'll be any sort of long-term negative impacts or do we have to wait and see or is that other studies? How, how does it normally work? Yeah, well, we are definitely just going to have to wait and see because, of course, the virus has only been around for a year and a half. The vaccine, even less time than that. So whether there's some unknown, really long-term side effect, that's something that only time will tell. What we do know is that the way these vaccines work, there is not something that remains in your body from the vaccine itself. What it does is it comes into your body, it, 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 you know, it penetrates, it activates the immune system, and the immune system creates these antibodies to attack the virus should it appear later. But the vaccine itself does not persist in your body. So we know these antibodies are good for you. They protect you. And they also, we're not sure how long they even last. We want them to last because we want that long-term protection. But as far as a long-term risk, it doesn't seem biologically plausible, but we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, it's one of the things, whenever we talk with you, we, we usually bring up the fact that we still don't know how long the vaccine, the, the antibodies from the vaccines are going to last on people. Exactly. And we don't know how well they're going to work on these new variants that we have popping up. Of course, they don't have any information on that in this clinical trial. And we still have very little data from the study itself. So there's still a lot of information to come. But honestly, good news at this point. Yeah, sounds like it. Thanks so much, Michelle Cortez, health reporter at Bloomberg News. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.